0: Well, welcome to today's CIT Tech for Business podcast. We're sitting down with Todd, Nate, Matthew, and the marketing team, Kelsey and Tara, to talk about cybersecurity trends and what to expect for 2023. We're gonna kick it off with brief introductions and today's randomly selected question. If you had to choose to live in a fantasy or sci-fi world slash universe, which one? I'm gonna cut you off and not ask why. So I will kick it off with, I am Kelsey, I'm a member of our marketing team. And if I had to pick one, assuming that I wouldn't immediately die when I got into the world, um, would be from the Sarah J Maas universe of A Court of Thorns and Roses, the Dawn Court where everything is painted like dawn. So that's what I'm gonna say about that. Tara, I'm gonna kick it off to you. Um, Thanks, Kelsey. She mentioned I'm also part of the marketing team and I would say, Any world where Tara and Thor could be together is my fantasy of just the two of us hanging out and doing life together. But Um, it has to be like the Chris Hemsworth Thor, right? Not just Eddie Thor. Absolutely. The only one that can be Thor. but
1: Todd, I'll I'll pass the question <laughs> to you. <laughs> uh, well, I, to me, the 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 thought is pretty simple, right? I have got to own a lightsaber, and and similar to Kelsey, hopefully I don't die right away with my lightsaber. Uh, but but that it's got to be Star Wars.
0: Love it, love it. How about you, Nate?
1: Yeah, um, I'm Nate. I'm our
2: director of cybersecurity. The I don't know many of them because I don't do a whole bunch of fiction, but. Uh, I don't know. The Shire from Lord of the Rings looks pretty
3: relaxing. So.
0: Little hobbit and little concerning hobbits just kicking back. Love it. Nothing wrong with that. What about you, Matthew?
3: Um, I I don't know. I am shocked into silence by choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Hyperion series uh, by Dan Simmons has some very cool sci-fi stuff in it. I could I could live like that. Um, Stormlight Archive stuff who doesn't want stormlight magic uh and then always harry potter who doesn't want to wand and spells i don't know i, I can't choose matthew's <laughs> huge into sci-fi so we better move on otherwise that'll yeah you know, 40 minute podcast <laughs> like <his> sci-fi. Stuff, <laughs> just be so. me listing authors for the next hour
0: yeah if anybody wants to hear us just talk about sci-fi we'll tell you later <laughs> you can you know drop it in there we'll gladly do another podcast about that but no, we'll we'll kick it on over. I'll let you guys kind of take over the conversation. Cybersecurity, what's coming? What should we look forward to for 2023?
1: Uh well, I'll start. I, I think the answer is going to be more of the same, right? And and I know that sounds very vague, but the reality is it's been just this hockey stick of issues that have been coming up for organizations to deal with. And so those increases in attack surfaces. Um, you're going to see a lot more of that. I think you're going to see a whole lot more stuff coming from compliance. We've talked about it on several different podcasts. Um, We've talked about the fact that there's a lack of cybersecurity talent out there. I think you're going to see more of that coming up throughout the year. Um, Again, the supply chain is going to be a problem as well.
2: Todd, I'm really happy that you started that way, Uh, just because just for everyone, you know, if security as we're going through this and we start talking about some of this stuff and you're, becoming overwhelmed of, you know, maybe some of the more advanced topics that we're talking about, um, you know, our um, acronyms that we drop that we forget to uh, define along the way. Um, Security is all about blocking and tackling the basics. Uh, There is a reason why the top 100 bad passwords is the same list of passwords year over year, just cycled in different orders. Uh, It's because that we simply are not doing enough to improve the security posture of our organizations. Now, with all this compliance and regulations and that kind of stuff, it's helping move the needle uh, on a lot of that. But at the end of the day, you really need to just start with the basics um, and then keep it advancing and maturing your organization. So,
3: And on top of that, I'll say that it's been mentioned in most of the other podcasts I've done, but we're a little paranoid. We have to be. It's our job to be prepared for a lot of these things. So the stuff we're mentioning, the things we're seeing, and, and the things we expect to see are the things we're prepping for. So we're hoping to kind of open eyes to to what those things could be. But also, like Nate said, being prepped for the basics is going to be prepping you for these, these higher-level things as well. If you don't have the basics in place first, the higher level isn't going to help as much. Mm-hmm.
2: I guess it may be just quick talk a little bit about some of the major uh, themes of the different regulations that have been seeing some of the updates and then, you know, Matthew and Todd, if you want to jump in and keep explaining a little bit about maybe some of the specifics on them, Um, you know, but last year we saw the government, they rolled out that executive order, we keep referencing that, but that is, um, such a major thing because we've seen the entire industry start shifting over that was the executive order came out told the government you need to start adopting edr endpoint detection and response plus adopting more of a zero trust model to help um, limit the amount of impact and you know trust again there's a whole podcast about that actually i think that was a two-parter so go listen to that one as well but um Once the government did that, then we saw the auditors and insurance organizations start adopting a lot of those recommendations. Now we're seeing things like revisions to the FDIC final rule, HIPAA revisions that include new security controls as well. Um, So I guess that's kind of where I'll leave that is. Government acts. It's once that stone starts rolling, it's extremely hard to slow down the the government <laughs> rolling rock, right? It, um, everything's going to start snowballing off of that. So,
1: yeah. To add on it, some of the things that I I can just look ahead and see it's coming, right? You, Nate's already talked a lot of it. You can see that the things are are starting to trend a little bit differently. Historically, when the government has been interested, it's always been about privacy, right? It's about consumer data is almost what all the regulations have been about. But now you're starting to see it start to flip more towards what is cybersecurity. And that is the things that we're talking about in the executive order. Do you have MFA? Do you do zero trust, et cetera, et cetera? So that is really where the trending is coming from. And while it started on a federal level, we're really starting to see that pick up on the state level as well. So there's already, I believe there's like 36 states that have added specific legislation already into the binding rules of going on so thirty six. That's that's a pretty big chunk in such a really short period of time.
3: There's been a a big uptick uh, for what I've seen, and again, I'm in governance, risk, and compliance, so I'm I'm looking at at insurance vendors and and the things they're requiring of of customers of what's required for a base level insurance cyber cybersecurity policy as well. Uh, just in the past year, since I mean maybe slightly before the executive order, but especially since then to renew your cybersecurity insurance. You've been requiring all of these things that were part of that executive order. Um, and, and you should be prepared for that. You should be ready for what's coming because if you haven't been told that you need an incident response plan or, or full EDR uh, across the board, and, and you should have them. Um, but If you haven't been told you need them just for your insurance yet, it's coming
1: yeah so so a couple other trends i completely agree with everything that the three of us have said because <laughs> we're we're group mind thinks or are thinkers over here um as i mentioned some of the other trends that are going on more of the same so currently the top three that i would say sector-wise and this does not imply by any means that if you're not in one of these sectors you shouldn't be aware of what's going on but what we're seeing going into next year is Finances is still number one on it. Um, you know, you, there's the old joke is why did the bank robbers back in the wild, wild west attack the banks? And the answer was because that's where the money is. Um, so you tend to see that with the finance industry, too, right? As you're seeing, that's where all the fraud is going. Uh, I, actually, one of the statistics I saw recently, and I will find a link and we'll put it in the podcast as well. But it's something like 300 times more likely to have a c- cyber attack in the finance industry than any other. Um, healthcare is getting just crushed currently, and I, I don't know that this is the trend. But maybe we can talk about this on another podcast. Is HIPAA has historically had a, a fairly lack of teeth. There isn't a lot going on there, um, and unfortunately, I think that leaves them a little more prone to exposure. And then, last but not least, is higher ed. Higher ed is just in a really bad spot, and and a lot of reasons behind that is there's a high interest. They have a ton of really good data that's out there looking to be attacked and there isn't a lot of funding there. So you're you're finding that there isn't a lot of tools that'll allow you to protect themselves or be aware of what's going on and remote learning certainly didn't help either.
2: I I have a couple of really key contacts still in high ed from my past employers. And um, one of the main things there is there's no funding. Like Todd mentioned, uh, student enrollment is wildly down right now, right? So budgets for high ed are absolutely crippled these days. So they're just trying to make do what, what they have. Um, so yeah, if, if you're in high ed, you know, just again, hats off to you, keep up the good fight there as well. But um, the, I guess one of the things that, um, continuing on some of the major trends, and this is just connecting a lot of the different industries together, one of the things that we really do see and some of these have had them for a little bit is having a designated individual at the uh, executive level um, or having someone that is solely dedicated or responsible for the security practice of the organization. So, um, you know, we just did the podcast on FTC. That's called the designated individual. You know, if you're looking at HIPAA, you've seen this for quite some time with, you know, dedicated privacy officers, that kind of stuff. Um, the chief information security officer or CISO, uh, we're starting to see a lot of organizations start to adopt um A CISO or a virtual CISO which is a consulted uh, Chief Information Security Officer if you are interacting with a managed service provider trying to integrate uh, managed security solutions. Um, So if you're not familiar with what a Chief Information Security Officer does is they are responsible for the governance of your security um, within the organization. And one of the things that I think there's probably a common misconception on is, they're just responsible for the technology, right? They just buy products, they stick it in place, make sure it's turned on and back out. Um, We've talked in the past about, uh, it has to be a blend of people, technology and processes. So what that person's going to bring in is things like the, the actual technology, the strategy on where the organization's going, you know, having these discussions, you know, the next five years, what building an effective culture within the organization, helping identify vulnerabilities and mitigating them or designating those to be uh, remediated by other individuals, ensuring that the proper security controls are in place to help mitigate um, or control the the risk of facing the organ, uh, organization's data. And then I think the other thing was, oh yeah, security operations, who's actually monitoring those tools, all right? If you have nothing and alert pops up and no one's looking at it, it's a useless tool. Um, and then compliance, right? As this um, more and more compliance and regulations are coming down, you have to stay on top of it um, because in the last FTC podcast, there's penalties if you don't,
1: so. Yeah. I wanna go ahead, Matthew, sorry.
3: Thanks. Um, So I want to mention you meant uh, specifically in terms of the responsibility of this as well. Uh, We mentioned the FTC podcast. um, It's mentioned heavily in CMMC uh, and, and in direct competition to how NIST worked, is that a lot of this now, a lot of these new compliances and the updates to the compliances require that the highest level at the company accept responsibility for what's being done. And so if you don't have someone who is an internal um, uh, qualified individual, to use the FTC's term, you have to have someone within the company who's still accepting that risk. And with the NIST situation, it, it allowed you to have whoever was doing that work do it. But that's not the case anymore. We're seeing this change across the board. The uh, the onus of who the responsibility falls to is, is changing. And I think that's great. Uh, we we You mentioned... HIPAA being slightly spineless, and and I feel like that has kind of been the the cause of a lot of this changing. But that's I, I feel like that's how how this ties in with what Nate was saying is that having an external CISO or having an internal individual who is doing this work doesn't mean that that is the end of what they're doing. There needs to be the bigger picture. It needs to be shared with the team. The, or the board, whoever, and they need to know as a group what's going on and then make those decisions. So when you are bringing on a CISO, whether they're internal or external, that bigger picture and next steps is so critical now because it's not, it wasn't just, how can we keep ourselves safe, which is always what should be at the forefront of our mind, but it's how can we then leverage that to to better the company across the whole. How can we integrate what those changes will be so that it's not just oh now we have a sim.
1: Yeah, so a couple of things that I was going to mention off of that, and I think they all work really well. The SEC has one that's in there, too, and and that was one of the larger pushes that we saw recently where Mm -hmm. their preliminary recommendation is that you do have a CISO on your board of directors. And it ties in really well with what the two of you are saying. The piece about that that's really interesting, as I mentioned it at the intro, was there is a very distinct lack of talent out there, unfortunately. Roughly, there's five hundred thousand job openings. I didn't mean to say dollars out there currently and there's a lot of groups that are out there trying to help build that they're trying to fill about a million positions is basically the trend at the moment is they're trying to build up through education through a variety of tools industries you name it there's a bunch of vendors working on it too and it is all going in the right direction but you're still going to have to find that help somewhere so again part of that trending that you're looking for we're seeing that's out there and we 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 do manage, so we work with this industry. I'm not trying to make light of that in any shape, manner, or form. Just being forthright is this is what we do. We see a lot of people coming to us saying we don't know what we don't know. What should we be doing? And so if that's an option for you, by all means, reach out to a friend, family member, whatever it takes. Find the help that you need, because if you're going to have to fill a board position, that's going to be a big, big ask, big thing. Um, and then, kind of part two of that, just kind of tallying off of what Matthew had said, is even when you bring in that help, there is still ultimate responsibility. And the way it's typically done in cybersecurity is that ultimate responsibility is your board or your shareholders. So even if you're finally getting that outside help, the people that ultimately say, "I'm cool with this," is that top top level of your organization. Yeah. The the only
2: thing I'd uh, probably add on to that is be and. I promise I'll move on from CISO after this or virtual CISO is it's going to be a large expense. You have to budget for it now, right? So if these different regulations are coming out saying you have to have someone designated, Todd mentioned there is a shortage. You're going to be spending a lot of money for these resources. It is not unheard of. Actually, it's uh, <laughs> uh, it can go way higher than this. But if you're looking to hire a full time CISO, that can easily be a $200,000 a year position, right? Um, I've worked at other organizations. That person was making three, four, five hundred thousand. The 500,000. The larger the organization you get, the more it is. Um, there's CISOs out there that are pulling in well over a million dollars. So that's where if you are needing that executive help, that's where the virtual CISO comes in uh, because you are consulted at that point and you can get it at a fraction of the cost, so because you probably
1: don't need a full-time resource if you're a small organization.
2: So.
1: Yeah, so that was a really good segue and kind of moving from the what's going on from the overarching trends to more of okay, so assuming all of this is true, what should we be thinking about? What should we be doing about and more importantly, should we be budgeting for things? Um I think again, kind of one of those trends that you're seeing out there is there's a lot of moving to the cloud and that that's kind of made things more complicated for protection. Um, Matthew, do you want to expand on some of the things that you see that are absolute trends that we need to be thinking about and starting to get our hands around or arms around for budgeting purposes?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I really like what you mentioned with the cloud. There is there is a lot that it can, it can do for you. And I definitely think that there are many tools available that can be useful. I'll, I'll focus on the one that I think had the biggest impact at the moment, which is people moving to, uh, say, Microsoft 365 for their emails. Uh, local exchange servers have had multiple vulnerabilities come out in the past couple of years, and I think that anyone who's moved to the cloud and, and bypassed having seen those internally has definitely felt that or should have been aware <laughs> that they would have felt that otherwise. Um, on top of that, we're seeing increased attacks across the board. Um, this is something I actually really wanted to mention. So while often... A lot of people, and and I'm I'm glad that I'm seeing this language less now. But I used to hear it a lot, which is why why would they attack me, right? There was this language of I'm not important enough, um, or or there's no way they'd find me, right? Like maybe they don't consider themselves as a business large enough to be impacted. And the big thing there is if you're using a tool that others are using, you are in the firing line by proxy. Uh, you can be a you're not being attacked directly. You're being attacked because you use a service that's being attacked. We're seeing this and we're, we're calling them supply chain attacks. Uh, but we're seeing them across the board and maybe you're or maybe as simply as you were signed up for a service that did get attacked and now your emails out there. And so people are, are pretending to be you and sending emails out with your name because they can confirm it's you through LinkedIn. As we get into more of those though, we do start seeing distinct personal attacks. Whether it's whaling at the higher levels, or in an instance that I like to bring up because it's crazy, uh, the there was a, a thirty-five million dollar um, attack on a company uh, that was purchasing another company, in which they deep faked the director's voice to make a confirmation to transfer bank details. Now, firstly for $35 million, I can understand why they were attacked directly, <laughs> right? They, they were talking about this publicly. It was pretty well known outside. And so that is something that was, you can understand why, why they were attacked directly. But that doesn't mean that that's the only people this is happening for. And, and that builds into the the deep fake topic of of people copying your voice. I mean we're we're doing these these podcasts, our voices are out there to be analyzed now. So keep in mind that the, the things that you have and the things you're releasing allow for that copying. Um, I think deep faking especially deep faking video is going to become a lot more common. Uh, you may have seen some of the viral videos that have been going around lately of people showing that they had created fake personas online using some of the new deepfake technology. So those are things I'm thinking about. Um, The higher level attacks, more of a a shotgun approach with with the supply chain side of things as well, just an increase in attacks in general. Uh,
2: Two different things come to mind. We actually have a full deepfake podcast lined up uh, for everyone. So if you're (laughs) interested and think Matthew's just crazy, um, this is actually the government did put out a warning on that uh, yeah. just a month, about a month or two ago. So about interviews and all that kind of stuff. So uh, stay tune, stay tuned for that one. Um, the I one mean, thing I that I'm really... crazy,
3: but I, I'm still right on this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, and still paranoid, uh, and still yes. paranoid. Well. So, um, um, the one thing that I really did want to touch on because this is one of the predicted um, trends for 2022 was software supply chain risks, and we saw that right Uh, with the Kaseya remote access, Log4J. Heck, there's even one that I just saw uh, last week was Roblox. Everyone loves Roblox. There's an updater that was um, hijacked and had Trojans built into it, and I actually saw this at a customer site. One of their employees downloaded Roblox for their kids for their um, home use, and On the work PC, we had a Trojan. So now EDR stopped it, but it was one that uh, was relatively new there. Um, So at least from like CIT's perspective, we are putting a lot of focus on software supply chain. How are we actually mitigating that and uh, moving to tools where each application has to be approved? For example, let's say you have a Chrome extension. Uh, there's an update to that chrome extension can you validate that that is the same type of software it hasn't been hijacked or anything like that you can deny that even though you've approved the application um, one of the things that really come to mind is banking software it frustrates me like no end that so many financial institutions and their software says no we need to run that with local admin uh, otherwise the software will break that is completely wrong. There's software out there that can elevate that tool without giving access, uh, full access to the end user. Um, so you can minimize disruptions to the organization while still ensuring the security. Um, so stay tuned with CIT on that, but there's absolutely software out there that can ensure the security. So, um, so software supply chain, if you have a vendor saying we need full admin, that's absolutely false. I can guarantee you that. So,
3: can I uh, mention something else quickly as well? Um, of there is. <laughs> so I, I feel like I, I'm not sure if I, I've spoken about this with you guys, but I mention it generally when I'm going through the the governance, risk, and compliance stuff that I'm doing with with customers at the moment, which is hardware and malicious hardware being left on site is also something that. I believe we're going to start seeing more. Um, the reason for that is how easy these things are to, to hide now. All right, we're all, we've all seen the tiny little Intel NUC devices that you can get and, and hide, but um, I'll specifically call out the Steam Deck, right? This this is a gaming device. Um, it, it's handheld controller, very, very useful, but it's a full-blown Linux box, and it can install tools on it that can be used maliciously and still look like the gaming device that it is um so i personally i'm a little bit i'm going to say paranoid again about those devices being seen in public or, or anywhere that you wouldn't really expect them to or even someone just sitting in a doctor's office and maybe they haven't checked in for an appointment you don't know what that device is doing um just be aware of what's in the what's in the room, what's on your network. And and if you're getting alerts that don't seem quite right, like uh, Nate mentioned, if if the alert's happening and no one's seeing it, it's not really alerting. Um, so yeah, we just need to be more prepared for for what is considered a, an attacking device and what is considered a malicious device as well. Mm-hmm. I think this is...
1: Yeah,
0: so, so, so... Sorry, Todd, I'm going to talk <laughs> over oh, just a second I'll... just as we're getting down to the end now that I've been <laughs> smiling and nodding. Uh, now that we're significantly freaked out, paranoid, everything's coming, somebody's going to video chat with me. It's not actually that person. Multiple podcasts in the past and coming soon, more on all those topics. If in the last five minutes we had to kind of rapid fire, are there any tools or services that you're like, we should budget for these SMBs, you got to be doing these things? Do you guys have any of those without tangenting too much explanation about each of those things?
1: Yeah, I was going to just do that. So thank you. So, <laughs> so I was going to kind of bring back some of the things that they said. So what Matthew and Nate are kind of talking about is where a lot of security programs start is, is its asset management, and that's hardware and software. And that that includes that whole supply chain that Nate was referring to. But it also makes sure that you know what's on your network. If you don't know what's there, you don't know how to protect it. And an extension of that is you don't know what's malicious. Um, things that we just absolutely know. As I said, we're moving to the cloud. As we're moving to the cloud, we want to make sure that we're modernizing the tools that we're using with it. Just because you've now taken your data and put it in the cloud is not automatically safe. Most systems are not very secure by default, and the reason for that is because those tools are really designed to make sure everything works, and they can't make it super secure and make sure everything works too. What is the customer most likely gonna be unhappy with as they move to the cloud, it doesn't work. Um, As Nate mentioned, zero trust is a thing. There are a lot of tools that we're seeing pop up on the network. There is no single tool that's gonna get you zero trust, but there are a bunch of platforms out there, whether it's platform as a service or infrastructure as a service or SASE. What they're doing is they're pulling a lot of those tools together into a single platform. The downside is most organizations probably already have a big chunk of those implemented, so the cost is high. There's overlap on them. But again, as you're you're strategically thinking and planning, this may be something that's on the the horizon for you. Um, Protecting your edge is absolutely critical. Uh, Nate and I talked about this earlier today is it's time for mobile device management if you hadn't been thinking about it you weren't there it's time you just again you need to know what your assets are you need to know where they're located you need to be able to extend your security policies to them it's time um we've talked about password management whether that's moving to password lists or finding password management tools to help you out those are things that are i would put out there and um This is not so much a budget item, but you're going to see it this year is you're going to be asked to tailor your cybersecurity training to specific users, those with admin, your board of directors. Matthew mentioned whaling earlier is those things you absolutely need to be able to step up your security game and saying, okay, those people are under attack constantly. Let's get in in, that in place. Um, I'll be quiet so both Matthew and Nate can can add some more if they've got other items. let matthew go first
3: thank you because you can see i'm chomping at the bit here
0: um
3: and i've completely forgotten what i was going to say uh no i'm it's obviously in governance risk and compliance i care a lot about policy and process and i think that a big part of this is those changes is a real focus in on what's happening um i mentioned the uh the company that that had the the fraud before and they, that amount of money being taken is not something anyone wants to think about. But what is it that could have stopped that? Right? We, I'm sure every company that is listening to this, every person has seen or heard about the uh, the emails going around, phishing, pretending to be someone asking them to change their banking details. Do you have pro- policy in place and process in place that would stop that? Uh, is is it more than just the people who are getting those emails are aware that they're fraud, or is it? that you have policy that means even if that process began and someone started doing that, have you figured out a way to block that? That is something I'm focusing on, and I, I, I think everyone should be, but it is, again, my field. <laughs> the thing I think about all day.
2: I think my uh, kind of summary um, was get help where you can, and you know this is either managed service providers listen to the podcast, right? You're getting help here. Um, A friend who's in a similar position, any really anything. But if I could consolidate it down to one thing is there's so much stuff out there. How do you weed through it? That's again, where I I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I am Uh, that CISO or the virtual CISO. The reason why is that person is someone that you can rely on to weed through the noise and then not just throw tools at the network, but evaluate the effectiveness and the coverage and the uh, that ensuring that it does align with the business goals as well. Um, it's not meant to be just someone who slings more products into the network and hoping that it works, right? There is a very strategic um, approach to that. So um, that's where I'd say, instead of going, well, I need this, 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 you know, maybe your little notepad or, uh, napkin that you're sitting here franting or writing all Todd's different items on there going well oh, crap I couldn't keep up <laughs> start with CISO <laughs> that's the intent is to have a high level vision of where to go and uh, relying on that person so
1: they've got rewind on podcasts now don't they technology I, 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 they'll get that <laughs> I don't know Vivo for podcast is next that's a feature request we're going we're gonna to
2: disable that feature and
1: just uh just CISO that's it
0: can you slow it down? So sometimes voice gets
1: all nice and deep. One last thing for me. Um, Yeah, that's what everybody needs is my voice and deeper. Um, Everybody's going to be in a different spot. So while we're telling you things that you should be considering, if you're on that path already, you probably already have a good idea. But again, if you've got that, that outside help that you can lean on, that's the place to go, right? So you may have started with MFA, but you may not have it perfected, right? So I'll use a a healthcare facility as a great example is you may have Microsoft MFA in place, but you may be looking for other tools that extend to your desktop that is going to remove the friction for your your patients, your doctors, et cetera. So you may be looking at new tools to help budget for that for the next year. So again, find your help, get your advice. There's tons of it out there. There's always people that are willing to help, especially in cybersecurity. We're in it together.
0: Thank you all. That was amazing. And I won't try to resummarize everything that you guys just said, because I'm like, that's perfect. That's the summary. We'll bookend it with, if you guys have any questions, any suggestions, if you're like, yes, I need that deepfake podcast to be the next podcast. Email us at info at cit-net.com or head out to our website, cit-net.com backslash podcast We're also more than willing to take any topic suggestions. If you've been listening at all, you know that we ping pong all around the place, so nothing is off the table. We will talk about it for probably over our 30-minute limit. But thank you all, and we will talk with you again next week.